Hey Zwifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is the Zwiftcast. Welcome back to the usual crew. Nathan Guerra, yo dude. Hey, how's it going Simon? Pretty good, thank you. And Shane Miller, g'day mate. G'day Simon, how's things? Uh, well, it's snowy here, but uh, that's kind of good news for Zwifting. Anyway, uh, I missed you boys last time because of the Eric Min interview, which dominated the most recent Zwiftcast, uh, and was looking uh, a bit like an inspired editorial decision by yours truly, actually, because um, that was one popular podcast. It was the fastest, mostest downloaded Zwiftcast ever. So let's kick off with that, because Eric had kind of loads and loads to say, and we'll talk specific in a moment or two but in general I thought Eric was really open and honest and didn't feel as though he was talking off a script which you know often you get with these kind of big set piece interviews Nathan how do you think he came over hopeful and successful those two things go well together you know he was able to answer uh, really honestly and truthfully that was awesome and open that it's definitely a good way to explain it and uh, I think the accessibility that the community has felt was really stamped on with uh, that interview too so yeah I, I completely agree with that Shane your thoughts um, I think one of the standout things for me was this thing that you know Zwift is only at two out of one to ten yeah, look, I think if you're uh, if you're sort of working on a product like Swift, you've got a, a vision of where it's going to head. Um, so there's probably a million things going on in Eric's mind about where he wants to see the product go. Um, so it's probably only he's probably only you know showing us the tip of the iceberg at the moment. I'm sure there's a ton of stuff there, as indicated by a two out of ten. I think that's not more of a, you know, what it's like to use. I mean, we all give it a ten out of ten for sure. But I think it's just about uh, where they're going to take the product in the future or their ideas that are coming up. So yeah, I'm very interested to see where it's going to head. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right on that interpretation. I don't think it was any kind of assessment of, of how good it was. It was just a, an assessment of, of how good it could be and how early we are in that journey. Um, let's talk about another kind of specific, which um, is always a tasty subject, and that's money. Um, Eric was like super chipper. His mood was very, very upbeat. And I think that was not unrelated to the fact that only a day before I spoke to him, their latest funding round had closed. And from what I understand, um, it was pretty much oversubscribed. People were clamouring to buy into Zwift. And these were all interesting people. These obviously were a lot of very rich men, probably. Uh, I think there are a few funds involved. But but the interesting thing that Eric said was that they were all Zwifters. Um, however, the, the upshot of that is that Zwift have now got a large pot of money to invest in the product. Shane, do you think we're going to see the results of that early? Do you think we're going to see short-term changes? Uh, in short, no. Um, but I don't think in functionality, that's going to take a lot of time and a lot of people and a lot of resources, not just money. You need people with the smarts. You need to then manage those people, bring them into the, I guess, the culture of development and the cycles and plans. So whilst I'd love to say, yes, we'd see a heap of stuff and it would really accelerate and it may slowly, I think it's such a complex product though behind the scenes. It's going to take a little while before we see any of that uh, come to fruition. Yeah, I think you're right on that as well, because... The history of Swift is that they've done things slowly and carefully, and as a result, as a result of that, they've they've sort of got most things right. Um, Nathan, let's assume for a moment that you were sitting on twenty five million dollars 
uh, and you were in charge of Zwift. Um, where would you start to spend it? People are hungry for feature change, especially in massive multiplayer online. They jump in for the social, but at the same time, they jump in to the same environment over and over again. If there's no changes in that environment over time, you know, they can get a little bit like, well, this is the same thing. And so I think that uh, development is a good thing and reaching new markets. Uh, I think that that would be a place that I would throw some market into. Industry relations is something I'm not seeing. I'm actually asked specifically by uh, local shops and, and other individuals about how do we get this on a commercial level product? How do we get this mm. on a, um, how do we network better with the cycling community that doesn't understand Zwift? And we see that with the ZA tour at specific spots, but I would focus in on networking on large scale um, in order to hit all of those hotspots that are open and wondering how to get into Zwift, but don't know how. And I would create a product specifically for them, not just the uh, individual uh, household users. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. And I do think we're going to see action in that, in that area. I mean, Eric specifically referenced gyms. I think we're going to see Zwift moving into that in a big way. Um, I mean, there was just so much stuff in the interview. We, we could spend another podcast, actually picking over all of it but I'd urge people if they're listening to this episode and for some reason they didn't listen to the last episode they really ought to, to, to listen to what Eric had to say because there was just so much stuff in it but before we move on there's just one more aspect I want to draw out of it and, and this kind of came out of the blue really and Eric talked about a smart bike uh, which you would like or want uh, or feel happy to have in your home rather than in your garage. Now, it, it sort of threw me a bit that because I wasn't quite sure what it was he was talking about. And the, the more I thought about it, the more it became a little clearer. I think he was talking about a bike that will basically have a, a computer built in and you take it out and the only thing you do is plug the HDMI socket into your TV and you're ready to go. Nathan, do you, do you think that's what he meant by a smart bike? Um, you know, there is a market out there for spin class bikes live uh, that gyms are buying right now and we see people buying for their house and uh, you can get a... Uh, spin instructor right in front of you on a screen that's built into the bike mm. and so i wonder if there's something along those lines within that industry that they're connecting with i thought it was really interesting and very smart personally that they're staying away from creating uh, hardware products and so they're probably finding partners out there that are doing that well already and saying hey we have an amazing software that you can go that, that you can plug and play into this if you guys just develop around us a little bit so i think that that might be the road they're going down yeah, yeah. Shane, I mean, if this were to be an, you know, sorry for the jargon here, an out-of-the-box Zwift solution, I mean, do you think Eric would really leave all that to another hardware manufacturer? Are they going to stick with software? Would they just partner with someone, as Nathan just suggested? I think we've heard a few times that Zwift keeps saying that they're primarily a software company. They don't want to get into hardware. Um, and if you look at just around creating the Zwift kit from Castelli and uh, you know, the delays and the issues we see go on there, um, I think they'll still stick with software. I think the market for a smart bike is still untapped. I look at the, is it the Watt bike that you yeah. still have to change manually? Yeah. Um, stages have a, a stationary bike out. I see a market there. If you were to integrate a smart trainer into one of those solutions, um, and I guess integrating them, 
so they're set up more like a road bike or a more of a rather than sort of a, a stationary bike if you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah when we use our own bikes we feel like we're really racing so more of an aggressive or more of a sporty setup with a smart trainer built in with around the framework and um setup of a watt bike or a stages bike i think that'd be something that um Zwift would partner well with, but I'm not sure they'd go into the hardware manufacturing. There's a lot of issues around that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, Eric, I think more or less specifically denied it. I think I asked him the direct question, and he said, "No, no, no, we're not going to be doing that." But there is, uh, there are a lot of other things that they're going to be doing, and and this investment's obviously going to to help it. I mean, it really is kind of uh, exciting times for the company, I think. And and again, uh, the the other thing that struck me just just going back to the the rate at which the podcast was downloaded, you know, a kind of 75-minute unedited interview with the executive, chief executive of a software company. You know, I, 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 I wasn't sure there was going to be much demand for that, to be honest, but it was amazing how, um, how much interest there was in it. And I think that's a bit of a testament to how much engagement the users do have with, with the company and the platform. So uh, the future does look pretty shiny and exciting. But let's get back to the present and let's hear from a celebrity Zwifter. Jodie Cundy is a multiple gold medal winner at the Paralympics uh, and pretty much an all-round good egg as well as being a very experienced Zwifter. Here he is. Hi, Jodie. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, listen, the first thing, I know it's a little bit late, but congratulations on the gold medal in Rio. Um, I mean, after the nightmare of the DQ at London in 2012, that must have been sweet. I knew I knew it was in good form, so I could just do the ride that I needed to do and the, the gold medal would be mine. So I was really big-headed. I, I was really chilled up until the point I got on the start line. And then I had probably the worst amount of nerves I've ever had before any race and like memories of london just came flooding back so um remember doing the first pedal rev and literally my foot got to the bottom of the pedal stroke and i was like i had a massive sigh of relief and then i don't remember anything of the race until like the last corner so when i crossed the line it was one of relief it was done and dusted and i didn't have to to worry about the kilo anymore like i could really enjoy racing it next time i do it how hard is the kilo i mean is it just 66 seconds of unadulterated agony. Kilo is probably the most horrible event I've ever done. I don't think there's many things as nasty as a kilo. Like I've done a 4K pursuit and that's painful, but painful in a completely different way. They're hard work and they hurt, but you kind of expect it. Whereas the kilo is so much pain in such a short period of time. And literally the last lap and a half, the lactic acid is just eating away. And all your legs want to do is go slower, but your bike's traveling at like 45 miles an hour. So the pedals just want to keep turning. So you literally try to keep your legs out of the way of the pedals and keep pedaling in a smooth line while trying to go through the worst amount of pain. Um, now, Jody, you got pretty famous after London 2012. And, and for those who maybe didn't see it, I can't think there's many people in the world, but for, for those who didn't see it, there was a pretty epic bout of bidon chucking after you yeah. get, after you got DQ'd by a very, very, very picky commissaire. I mean, every cyclist felt very deeply for you and I think the overwhelming emotion uh, that people felt when they saw that was was support but after kind of all of your Olympic exploits and a very long career I mean a six-time Paralympian how do you feel about maybe being best remembered for a kind of classic hissy fit? After that the Paralympics were looked at in a slightly different way to what they were before. So instead of the, it, people kind of looking at it as like food-disabled athletes turning up and they win a few medals just for riding, it ended up being 
they realise that we actually are elite athletes. We train just as hard as like the, our able-bodied counterparts, and and it got taken a little bit more seriously. So I felt I take I took one for the whole of para sport in general. And when I look back at it, it's kind of like my John McEnroe moment. That's the best way of describing it. I'll always be remembered as the guy that swore in London because I did swear quite a lot. But um, yeah, it's nice to know that people now can put a face to the name of winning a gold medal as well. I think that's an excellent point you make actually about it raising the profile of Paralympian sport and making people realise that Paralympians train as hard, if not harder, than, than, than you know, any other elite sports, sports person at that level. And, you know, again, for those who, who don't know you, you, you had a foot amputated at, at three years old. So what adaptation do you use and, and how does that affect your cycling? I basically have a carbon fibre moulded blade which then goes to a Shimano cleat at the bottom. So I eliminate all kinds of areas where you could lose power. We gain a little bit from having an aerodynamic shape and basically it's stiff and like all the power that I transfer into the leg goes into the crank, which goes into the back of the, the bike. So yeah, it's it's not great for walking on, uh, but it does a fantastic job of riding a bike around a velodrome. How do you compare to, to an able-bodied athlete of kind of similar build and fitness in terms of the power you can put out? Yeah, I'm not out and out as powerful as them, but like I've got a good uh, length on my kilo and stuff. So and my my sprint. So I'm in there, but I'm not quite up there with the the best of the sprinters. But it's it's quite nice when we train with all the academy lads and up and coming guys because I use those guys as like a benchmark because they're all chasing like the Olympians and the cream of the crops. You your Phil Hines and your Jason Kennys and stuff. And then you've got the academy guys that are kind of trying to fill that gap and chase those and keep them on their toes. And then there's also, then there's me and I train alongside them and seeing their times in training and doing the efforts that they do. It's quite nice on the one or two sessions where you just go in really well or they're having a little bit of a bad day and you go a little bit quicker than them. Yeah. Because it's quite entertaining to, to have the coaches kind of give them a lot of stick for, for getting beaten by a one, one-legged man. So um, <laughs> and it, it, it's, it's quite nice for me because it's a, it's a motivator for me to do that to be better than those guys because that helps move me on. Uh, I mean, you've been a massive Zwifter since since the earliest days of the platform. How, how do you use it? I just use it as kind of anytime I need to do a bit of mileage on the bike that's not specifically track or in the gym or all the other bits and pieces that I need to do. It's a, a really nice filler. If the weather's pretty rubbish outside or I really don't fancy going out for a ride on the road or whatever, I'll jump on Zwift and... Yeah and do whatever mileage it is that I need to do. But um, it's quite nice just being able to do the workouts as well sometimes because yeah. I know my, my coaches will set me certain things that I need to do. And not that I do that much kind of interval work and stuff on the on the road, but it's quite nice when you're in that block because you can just sit up and go onto the workout mode, slap it onto to a custom thing and put in all the things that your coach wants you to do yeah. uh, and jump on and away you go as well. So it's nice having all of those different aspects to kind of – build into it but it's just it's just a it's another tool that's kind of in the arsenal to be able to use and uh yeah it's just phenomenal and just the way the community's grown and stuff over well, literally the year and a bit that i've been using it it's just phenomenal and um yeah i think this winter or whatever it's going to be massive in this country jody it's been an absolute delight talking to you um uh, I, it's always a, a thrill when i come across you on zwift and I, i'm sure it will be for the other people too Good luck with the preparations. I know it's a long way off, but good luck with the preparations for Tokyo. And thanks so much for coming on the Zwiftcast. No problem. Thank you very much for having us on.
he should have been on ages ago. Really interesting interview. Um, and uh, Jodie probably came to the attention of a wider audience with that, that excellent hitty fit he had at the Paralympics, which involved bead-on chucking. Uh, and it got me thinking about, about hissy fits and, and bike racing, and, and especially, actually, bike chucking. The, 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 the lifting of the bike, generally the classic bike chuck, is then to, 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 to raise it over your head and hurl it as far as you can from, from the source of the thing that's upset you. I mean, I'm a great fan of the art of bike chucking. David Miller had an absolutely fantastic one. I think it was in Barcelona. And, of course, Bradley's um, unbelievably elegant bike chuck, which turned into a kind of glide to a graceful stop and park manoeuvre. That, that was also a classic of the genre. Uh, and I'm just wondering if we shouldn't have a bit of a virtual bike chucking option in Swift. Um, Nathan, <laughs> any, any, any bike chucking um, episodes you'd like to confess to? Well, first of all, we definitely need a bike chucking in game. I mean, with <laughs> rather than because I think it would take care of some of the messages about ah oh, so and so Z power or oh, ah this is just you can just exactly. chuck your bike. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> I mean it just it just be over. And they would even like get a little like icon next to your name maybe saying that you're raging and they're doing a bike chuck at that moment <laughs> so everybody would know, ah, know. that oh that guy's you know and so <laughs> but, it would just uh, it would be fantastic, wouldn't it? I mean, I, I, particularly off one of the bridges. Uh, on Watopia, you know, oh, if you could, if you could kind of get onto the parapet of the bridge and hurl your bike off it, and and yeah, and, and get and get your avatar say. to do it, it would just be so cool. <laughs> And not even you. Then the bike would just like fly off the bridge and say Ohio. Really like, or something. <laughs> I mean, it was just like Geronimo, Ohio. I mean, it'd be great. So, anyways, the, I have not personally that I can strongly remember. I, I, there's a faint like Citizen Years or like Cat Five Years, maybe chucking an old school Gary Fisher hukuiku that wasn't shifting right and had no business being on the course before I was actually racing properly, but. I'm more verbal uh, in my communications, and so I've like been absolutely <laughs> suffering, and things aren't going well, and somebody's basically just cheering me on, and I can't even handle them telling me to go anymore because I can't anymore, and I've yelled at my fans, um, saying, "Just shut up! I'm doing as best as I can," <laughs> you know, or, or you know, I've thrown bottles uh, here and there, you know, but I'm definitely way more of a verbal communicator rather than physically throwing things, mm. uh, and have been told that I need to just shut sometimes but anyways yeah um shane i've learned though i've learned shane forgive me father for i have sinned you know you're you're entering the confessional any any bike chucking you want to you want to get off your chest uh, i don't think i can afford to throw a bike like that but i have uh one story i've got of um i guess laying the bike down without actually properly placing it down i was in a time trial i was 200 meters from the finish i was doing really well and one 90 degree corner in the wet and down i went i actually broke a collarbone but i was so angry i got up rode the 200 meters finished and then just stepped off the bike and let it fall over that was as much as rage I, as i had um but uh, yeah, I can't afford to throw a bike though. I do love that Bradley Wiggins one you referred to. That oh, was, was fantastic. The, it was the just bike just says it was a response from the bike saying, "No, no, I deserve to be placed here <laughs> elegantly, and I will park here, and you can rage all you want, Brad, but I'm going to park over here." It's if no one's seen it, please look it up on YouTube. It yeah, yeah, no, it's the best ever. Although I have to say, it, it, it does have a rival 
in terms of kind of immediate visual result with that recent one that was going around YouTube. I think it was a crit in America and the guy picked his bike up and hurled it and, and it was carbon and it snapped, completely oh, snapped into like two pieces. The funny part about that was uh, prior, to, prior to the race, he was talking about how he borrowed the bike and he was yeah. talking about how good the bike was and all that it was his mate's bike or something. <laughs> yeah, it was. And then he went and did that. That was a fantastic follow-up. Well, well, spectacular follow-up. I won't say fantastic, <laughs> but uh, yeah, visual effect, ten out of ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be just great to have some uh, visual means of expressing your frustration in Swift. It would keep a lot of that nonsense off Facebook, I think. I think a bit of a handlebar bang or a bit of a, a you know, it's one of those a big Italian. Oi, what's going on here? Yeah. You, know, you see those guys in the Giro. Yeah, they're really. Um, what's what's the sprinter's name? He's the rival of everyone. He got kicked out of the worlds. Or oh, I can't. Buani. Is it Masa, Nasa Buani? Well, yeah, it could, of, it could be kind of character. It, yeah. it could be any of the sprinters. I mean, they're pretty short-tempered kind of guys, <laughs> aren't they? Uh, excellent, excellent stuff. Well, a little bit of fun. Yeah, yeah. We should we should have a, a frustration emoji of some kind in Zwift, but. I have to say one thing that hasn't frustrated me at all over the past few weeks is the new top-end trainer from Elite, the Drivo. Um, here's my review of it. If you're planning to spend big money on a smart trainer and looking for the ultimate premium Zwift experience, the choice until recently was simple. It was a Wahoo Kicker or a Tax Neo. The Kicker is terrific. The new model is quieter than the first version, And the Neo is a worthy rival, incredibly silent and very, very accurate. Any Zwifter would be happy with either one. But now there's a rival, the Elite Driver. Similarly priced and boasting accuracy of plus or minus 1%, has Elite got it right? Is the Drivo genuinely worth adding to the ultimate wish list. This review is going to try to answer that question. Is the new choice for high-end Zwifting now Kicker or Neo or Drivo? Let's kick off the review with setup. The Drivo is a fraction longer than the Neo, so that may be a factor if you're in a confined space, but it won't be a worry for many. Once you've wrestled Drivo out of the box, setting it up beyond that is incredibly simple. It's a question of standing it up, moving a T-shaped bar across into position, which just slots into a bracket. There's then a little thumb screw, which tightens up. Two plastic triangular shaped pieces which fit on the ends of the T-bar, they actually are shaped in such a way that you can uh, vary the height of the trainer using them. And apart from putting a cassette on, that is it. It's incredibly simple. Let's deal with the look of the Drivo. It's white, it's plasticky, and it's not as stylish or high-techy, flashing lighty as the Neo, or as cool-looking as the Kicker. Some have even unfavourably compared it with all sorts of unflattering things like 
vacuum cleaners or R2-D2. Obviously, this is going to be subjective, but having lived with it for a few weeks, my initial somewhat unfavourable impression of its looks has changed. I actually quite like it now, and in the end, it's not really that important. I'm not looking at the trainer when I'm swifting. All I really care about is how it performs. So let's get on to that. Next step is simply to move the drive into position. Plug it into the power block and when you connect it to power the drive makes a reassuring worry little noise. The lights flash, you've got a red steady on power light and flashing green and flashing blue which lets you know that it's looking to connect either via ANT plus or Bluetooth. Final step is slotting the bike onto the driver, which is not terribly difficult. I just made a bit of a meal of doing it there. Fit the quick release skewer, which rather annoyingly is not supplied. Tighten it up, clamp it down, and you're ready to go. I reckon if you didn't dwell on the instructions, which there's no need to do to be honest, you could have this out of the box, set up and ready to go within 10 minutes, including fitting the cassette as long as you don't uh, muck about too much with that stage of the process, really quick. Not only is setup very rapido, uh, the pairing process is equally flawless. Zwift recognised the Drivo literally within half a second and before you know it, you're ready to go. I've put plenty of miles on the Drivo over the past few weeks. I've done group rides and I've done races and I've had a few solo poodles on it. And in summary, this is an absolutely fantastic trainer. In my view, it's as good as the Neo or the Kicker. And in some respects, it might even be better. Let's go through the elements that are important to Swifters, starting with road feel. Unlike the Neo with its virtual flywheel, the driver has a real six kilogram flywheel, and it's as smooth as silk to ride with a terrific road feel. The kicker sells itself rightly on its properties of inertia. I've found the driver to be equally good in this respect. Where does this really count in Swift? Well, just like riding on the road, if you hit a slope carrying plenty of speed and you up the power as the slope starts to bite, the inertia keeps you rolling nice and quick. It's a real advantage in races or fast group rides where you're fighting to stay in touch with a fast moving bunch and the road kicks up. Next is speed of transition through gradients. So let's have a quick spin on the Drivo through the S's on Watopia where transition speed is important and where a high inertia flywheel is also crucial. Okay, here we go. This is the uh, breathless section of the review. So I've just changed trainer difficulty all the way up to max so I can feel every 0.1% of every gradient and let's see how fast the transitions between gradients are on the drivo. Here we go, we're approaching the S's section and starting to climb for about 6% now and I can feel it, you can hear the trainers slowed down, 
Our gradient's beginning to soften down to 4% and the driver handled that very well. 1%, no percent, right, much easier through the pedals now. We'll take the next transition at speed. From flat at 30 miles an hour to 3%. Yeah, that was quick. Cresting, downhill, big change. Uphill, the inertia carried me through that. Flat, gentle descent and immediately it changes. Big change coming up here. Yeah, again you could feel that immediately through the pedals but the high inertia just carries you up those hills fairly quickly a couple of gear changes keep the pressure on and you can maintain your speed really well and downhill and again the transition is very rapid and very smooth and that about sums it up. Transitions are everything you'd expect on a trainer at this high price. I didn't measure the accuracy of the power as the only way I could do this would be against a set of P1 pedals. And the P1s and the Drivo measure power at different parts of the drivetrain, so it's not the best method. But others have done comparisons and the Drivo hasn't been found wanting. Elite has complete confidence and has submitted it for independent testing to a German lab that specialises in these kinds of things. It's claiming accuracy of 1% based on those tests. Having ridden a lot on Zwift and on a few different trainers, the unscientific does it feel right question results in a resounding yes. The only glitch I noticed on the drive over many rides was a couple of crazy cadence spikes up to about 150-160 rpm. Interestingly, the Ramper reviewer Paul on the last episode of the podcast reported the same thing. Maybe that's something Elite need to take a look at. But the spikes are so short they're of little or no consequence and they'd probably be fixed using the supplied wired cadence monitor. As to noise, well, as you've probably heard throughout this sequence, the Drivo is not intrusive. It's got a kind of low, whirring moan, and even when pushed, it's not unpleasant or especially loud. Here it is when I'm kicking hard, trying to stay with the fast group in a race as we go up a short climb. So is the Drivo worth inserting into the eternal Zwift equation of kicker or neo for those intending to buy the best? Yes, it is. The Drivo is a contender. Normally when I'm testing trainers, I'm fairly keen to get back on my neo, but for the past few weeks, it's been sat sulking on its own, unused in the Zwiftcast pain cave. I am going to get back on it, but if somebody came along and said you've got to ride the Drivo for the rest of the winter and the Drivo only, I wouldn't be disappointed. In fact, I'd be pretty happy. 
Shane, I know you've had time on this trainer. Um, it To me, it's a bit like the Zwift iOS app, actually. It's just so good, it's kind of almost boring. Um, did you find any flaws in it? Well, no. I was able to make it slip the belt just a little bit, but this is me putting it in the 3928, I think I put on it, and I excel, I, I, I put these through these through a stress test that people will probably never, ever hit. Mm. So I sort of it sort of skipped and barked a little bit, but under every other test I put it, it held up really, really well. Look, I think this trainer is so good because of its simplicity. And cycling itself is a very, very simple sport. We jump on and it's pushing the pedals. It's so simple. And in this day and age, we've over overcomplicated it. Even with Swift, it's still quite complicated putting up an ant stick or Bluetooth and this and that and lining all these things up. When a product comes along that just works because it doesn't need a spin down or it doesn't need this, it just, like the Neo, it, you just plug it in and it works. Mm. It's a breath of fresh air. So this one, um, not only is it simple to set up, it works really well. And um, as you were mentioning about that uh, inertia and the momentum it has, it sort of bringing the pedal over rather than having to pull the pedal yeah, over. Yeah. Um, this is high up there. I need to spend a lot more time on it, but it's uh, it's rising in favour for me. Uh, I think it's terrific, I have to say. I mean, I, I'm not, still not quite used to its looks. It's, it's not the prettiest of things, but, you know, kind of, who cares, really? Um, what I it, think it's the colour. I'd like to spray yeah. paint mine black. Yeah. But yeah. I'll have to get some stickers or something from Elite and get them their approval first to see if it's not going to break anything. But I think if we had a black stealthy one, it would look more dark Darth Vader than R2-D2. Yeah. Yeah. If that yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it could stand some improvement in that, in that area. And, and I noticed, actually, that, Nathan, your local trainer manufacturer, Cyclops, are now pretty close with their hammer, which is black, actually, from the pictures I've seen. Um, and that is up there or set to be up there challenging the Neo, the Drivo and the Kicker. My God, those questions, which trainer should I buy on uh, on the Facebook groups are just going to get ever more complicated, aren't they? But 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 Nathan, I mean, Swifters who've who've got the cash are now or soon going to be They're They're absolutely spoiled for choice now, aren't they? Oh, yeah, they definitely have uh, many choices, not too many choices almost. I mean, I'm not, have we done a great job of telling them which one to get at? I'm not sure because <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. it's uh, it's going to be difficult to go after. I've seen all of them uh, in person. I actually they have the Drevo on the ZA tour for like every other event. Um, my, I was actually going to ask you, Shane, have you gone full on side to side on the thing? Like, I mean, full on sprint side to side and gotten any rocking at all on the Drevo? Uh, no, I do all sprint tests on my videos. Pretty much the second video I'll do a sprint test on. Um, I haven't gone full side to side. Reason being is when I sprint indoors, it's always an up and down motion because you can't really sprint like you can outdoors. So in the test that I've done and the same test I've done with all the other trainers I've got, I didn't find any major rocking. You, you did get it to, 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 to pop about a bit, Shane, actually. That, that stood out for me on your, on your video review. But, okay. but, but you know, yep. you're a powerful guy. What were you knocking out there? 1,200 watts? Yeah, something around that. It's quite hard because you can't get the snap sprint like you can outdoors with on, getting on top of the gear. So it's around 1,100 to 1,200 watts for a few seconds there. Um, but I can confirm this one doesn't smell like fish. <laughs> <laughs> I do definitely see the no spin down just ready to go thing like yeah. that is really obvious uh it seems extremely accurate uh when mm -hmm. we were hanging out at the uh at the ZA tour when people were throwing down their numbers for the king of the mountain queen of the mountain challenges so um i'm super impressed by the unit actually mm -hmm. well we're going to talk about your experiences on the on the tour uh, in a few uh, a few minutes time actually because I'm, I'm keen to hear about those nathan having seen the pictures um but you know 
despite this this plethora uh, and and uh, of choice in in the luxury area I still think perhaps the most eagerly awaited new trainer of this year is is the tax flux. And we are told that's really close now to hitting the shops and online stores. I'm also told that one is on its way to me for testing. And uh, if it gets there in time, I'd uh, for sure have a review of that up on the next podcast. And I'm sure you'll you'll be pretty quick getting that up on your YouTube channel as well, Shane. So... um, that that's the one I think that people are going to be super interested in. Now the number of group rides that you see on Swift just seems to grow continuously. There are all kinds of group rides and races and events. But sometime over the next week or 10 days, there's a new series of group rides starting, which really are worth looking out for. Here's the story of how they started. Welcome to the Zwiftcast to two very special guests from Holland, Peter and Martin Zayerfeld. And I think I've got that nearly right. How was that, Martin? Yeah, yeah, you did it really well for uh, a non, uh, non-Dutch speaker. We're here to talk about um, a really exciting initiative that's going to happen on Swift. So, um, Peter, I'm going to ask you what it is. But first of all, I'm going to ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Uh, I am working for the Dutch uh, Cycling Federation as a talent coach. I am doing that now for 15 years. Before I was a professional cyclist and um, yeah, I did all the big races, Tour of Spain, Tour of uh, Tour de France and everything. Uh, Martin, your dad says, oh well, you know, I just rode the Tour de France as if it was like a little trip out in the French countryside. He's obviously uh, got a pretty good Palmares, has he not? He does. He's, uh, he's well fit. And uh, and he still is on his uh, on his age uh, a little bit above sixty. I'm sixty. I'm nearly sixty two now, and I try to be uh, uh, always put in shape and uh, try to beat uh, the younger guys, of course. But uh, every year it, uh, it is uh, more difficult. But I I like cycling so much, so I. I always try to uh, to beat the younger boys, yeah, and uh, that's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so Peter, you're you're coach of the Dutch national team. Now, just for people who don't understand everything about European cycling, just just explain to us what exactly the Dutch national team is. Is that a road team or a track team, and what does it do? And there's a track as, uh, and road as well. So they are doing both. I try to develop young riders, still 23. Uh, I try to develop them uh, to be a pro in the in future. And the most of them are living at the Olympic Sports Center, and so all the facilities are are there for to be a pro in the future. But basically, this is a a, a development team for the pro, for the professional riders of, of tomorrow. So, yes. M- Martin, why are we excited about this in a Zwift context? Some pretty exciting things are going to happen. Uh, there are going to be some uh, group ride forms where you can actually join the guys to ride. Also, uh, we try to make a uh, Wednesday night criterium race where you can actually try to, well, beat them if you can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure there's going to be many doing that, but uh, but, no, but that's but, a good that's a good target. 
Yeah, you can, you, you know, you can have a, you can have a good goal. Uh, also, you have the uh, the time to uh, to have a ride, uh, maybe on the back to work rides on the Monday, and uh, and join in and uh, and ride with the uh, the upcoming talent and the, and the riders of the future. That um, I find it quite exciting because um, well, you can see them training, for instance, uh, because they will do a lot of winter training uh, on Swift. Uh, you can join us in group rides where you can actually ride with them. You can race them, so that's also fun. Yeah. So I think that that kind of sums it up, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, basically, they've got to be all over Zwift, and you'll be able to ride with them in lots of different lots of different group rides. Are they going to have a special name? Are they going to be easy to find, these rides? Uh, so, yeah, you can pick them out. They've got a red, white, and blue and an orange jersey, so uh, you can't really miss them. Okay, uh, yeah. and, and I guess they'll be they'll be well flagged in 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 the Zwift events. Um, how big is is Zwift in in Holland? I think it's growing rapidly. I think it's growing rapidly. Where, where not so long ago, people were like, "What what are you doing? Why are you riding inside? Is it that, is it really that much fun?" Where now everybody is like, "What trainer do I need to buy?" Yeah, and uh, I want to be on there because it's cool, and you've got races going and group rides. So I think it's it's growing rapidly. Peter, are you going to join in? Yes, of course. Yes. I I want to, I like to race and uh, yeah I I want to race with uh, with uh, with the guys so I um, I'm there when uh, when they are there. Well, uh, it, it sounds uh, a really exciting set of rides to look forward to. Uh, Martin and Peter, yeah. th- thank you very much indeed for telling us about it, and uh, and thank you for for helping to bring. Uh, what I think will be the first regular ride with a nat- national squad to, to Zwift. That's definitely one to look out for. Thank you very much, guys. A genuinely exciting I- initiative, I think, this from Zwift to have a national team um, on the platform and leading a, a series of rides and, and in a different uh, style that's going to be racing and training. Nathan, how much of a draw do you think this ride in particular and kind of celebrity or team-led rides are in general for users? I think they're huge. Um, I get comment after comment of so-and-so is riding, so-and-so. Anytime I'm live and someone else is riding who's a professional or high-end cyclist in some sort of way, it uh, and just the ability to be in proximity to them, even if it's virtual, is a huge deal to people. I think uh, not just the celebrity thing, but also to be able to compare myself is important to uh, mm. aspiring cyclists, even yeah. amateurs who give it a go as a weekend warrior uh, and try and throw down with these people and be able to keep up with them. I mean, that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, I, I- I do think that aspect is going to be interesting, actually, because certainly when they race, because I got the impression from talking to um, uh, those two great Dutch guys who'd helped set this up, that whilst they'd had a bit of time on Swift, these these riders have not spent a lot of time on it. So I don't think they're going to be massively tactically aware about some of the tricks that you can uh, uh you can you can pull off in no tricks is the wrong word so some of some of the some of the techniques that are useful for for zwift racing so that's that's going to be interesting to see um shane is this just kind of a very smart marketing by zwift i mean i actually got the impression that this this had emerged kind of completely organically, actually. Martin, the, the younger guy, the son, um, is, is a regular ride leader on Zwift. And I think this is how this has come about, because his dad coaches the the um, the Dutch national team. Um, 
So I think it might have come out organically or it might be a really clever move by Zwift because I think take-up of, of the game in places like Germany and Holland and Belgium has not been at the same level as it's been in the US, the UK, Scandinavia and, and Australia. Why do you think that is? I mean, these are massive cycling countries. Look, I think uh, Zwift coming out of the US and UK and English-speaking countries, that's probably the primary market there straight away, and that's who the kind of people that will appeal to initially, and that's who will talk about it. Um, so, no, it's, I think it's uh, – look, any good publicity like that is great marketing, whether it's intentional or not. So mm. to have uh, yeah, Germany, Holland, Belgium, all, all those countries on board, uh, it's going to be a great thing. I mean, we've seen um, – I mean, the popularity early on when Ted King jumped on. We always wanted to ride with Ted King. Yeah. And then Fumi Beppu jumps on. And then uh, we all remember the Jens effect. Yeah. So um, – yeah, having these sort of high-profile riders there um, would really encourage people to jump on. So I'm really looking forward to it, and uh, it gives people a new and better experience on a platform we all know. So, yeah, yeah bring it on. It, uh, it's a very effective tactic, I think. Um, I saw a post on one of the groups from some guy who was obviously relatively new, and he'd come across uh, Boson Hagen, because, I mean, he's oh, yeah. Boson Hagen's on all the time. And it was such a lovely post from this guy, because he was, he was, like, obviously incredibly thrilled to have had the experience and it and it came over in his post and and he was so enthusiastic so i i do think it's a very very effective um way of just adding an extra dimension to to riding on swift um but going back to the the kind of low countries and and germany and the non-english speaking countries i mean swift have been out on tour in germany this week the u.s tour is 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 on at full gas at the moment and nathan you you've been a part of that you've done some dates i think you did boulder and and some uh, vancouver and places like that um what are these events like i mean the pictures look great uh so essentially uh the events are king of the mountain queen of the mountain challenges uh most of the night that's what we're up to and we're it's essentially like Zwift live encouraging people uh, to hammer and push each other through Zwift, you know, so it's kind of like the real life expression of what we're already doing in game, pushing each other on. Um, you know, the thing that I've noticed, we, we, we meet at bike shops. It's always a, a local bike shop that uh, clears some floor space. There's four monitors up, plus the VR is over in the corner. You can test out the VR as well mm. as the iOS app. The main thing I've noticed is that every shop that I've gone to didn't know much about Zwift yet. And that's kind really? of ins like inspired me to talk about the commercial connection. And um, I and also there were a few people like viewers came, Basalts showed up with Get to the Chapa. They drove six hours yeah. to Vancouver. Yeah. And they showed up. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. So me and Lindsay are walking up. Lindsay came to Vancouver with me and we're walking up to the shop and there's two guys sitting outside the shop and I knew it was them right away. And you know, the personal story of this guy who's been hanging out on my channel, my Twitch channel and Beam channel for a year and a half now. And I could see how much it meant for him to connect with this situation and how Zwift and the community has changed the guy's life. I mean, he went from being, you know, weighing quite a bit more, not racing or anything, and has lost, like, I think it was like 30, 40 pounds or something, and is, like, racing Cat 3 and moving on to Cat 2, Cat 1, and how proud his brother was of him. And, I mean, it was just, I met the Chapa and Basalt. <laughs> and, then, and then I got to encourage them on in the King of the Mountain challenge as well. And I made sure to have a cup of coffee with them, sit down, have dinner, learn about 
about their lives, really connect with those guys. And the thing, the thing that's cool is that you don't know how many people that you're connecting with and networking with and what their uh, struggle is, what they're pushing on through right yeah. now in order to better themselves to the power of bicycles together. And, you know, we, we're talking about the Ohio throw. We're talking about the, the bike throw. But, I mean, the reality is, is that there's so, we're all out there really pushing each other in this social environment of riding bicycles. And that's why we're doing it. And that's what the Zwift Tour North America is really showing me as I meet with all these people, um, especially the, the already Zwifters. But I've also seen how small a percentage that is of the population that's at the bike shop, including the bike shop themselves. And then all the people who have never even seen this before. And I'm going, whoa, there's a big old market here yeah, that yeah. I didn't realize before. But the events are a party. They're a party on bikes. You know, there's uh, drinks and food and everybody's jumping on bikes and doing the forward Watopia, everything you got for two, three minutes of your life. Let's go, baby. That's what I mean. It's like, it's a good, it's a good time. I have a ton of fun encouraging everybody on and make sure to get personal stories of everybody uh, when they're about to jump on the bike and kind of learn who they are and, you know, hype that up so that the focus is on them yeah. and pushing each other on the bike. So uh, Shane, you've done loads of these. I've, I've done a YouTube video on exactly this, yeah. how to run a successful YouTube, yeah. a successful Zwift KOM challenge night. Yeah. Um, you, you can't miss that on my YouTube channel, but there's a guy on the, on the bike there drinking a beer, having a heap of fun. And I think it's his girlfriend or friend next to him having fun as well. Um, so it's no, it's just a brilliant ton of fun. And the amount of people who sort of stand back initially and say, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not going to have a go. I'll watch yeah, everyone yeah, else. Yeah. 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 About half an hour, yeah. and then they're on the bike, and they're the ones winning. They're, they'll come through and win the thing because they're just that into it. So yeah. it's uh, the nights really, really build and build and build, and the excitement just grows. And I guess it's probably the beer kicking in for everyone. But uh, in Australia, we've had some great nights. I'm looking forward to many, many more. Maybe in the few, a couple of months' time when the weather caves in. Um, now we can't finish this podcast without recognising the immense achievement of one Swifter. A couple of weeks ago, Derek Bucock broke the record for the longest ever ride on Zwift. And my God, what a ride it was. I started my interview with him by asking him for the stats. The total distance was 1,620 kilometres. Total metres climbed was 9,800. The total time was just under 52 hours. Good God. In old money, Derek, that's that's a thousand miles, isn't it? Yeah, just over. But it was really the time I was going for. The time I've set for that distance, I think, will take some beating. Yeah, yeah, because your pace was pretty brisk, wasn't it, for for the distance involved? I, I set off at 36 kilometres an hour and uh, I managed to hold that for the first 24 hours. Derek, I'm going to ask you this question because I know that people will want to know the answer. Which bit hurt the most when you climbed off? Uh, my backside. I actually had open wounds. Um, my saddle sores opened up and I, I ended up meeting the guy from Reeskin at the show and he did assist me. He gave me some of his patches, uh, which helped me continue the challenge. Uh, but that was the most pain painful bit. Oh, okay. I, 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 let's not go there anymore, Derek. I, I, th I think if any, any cyclist can can possibly uh, begin to imagine um, how how unpleasant that was. How did he cope with sleep? I didn't basically. My plan involved twenty minute breaks, one hour break, and a three hour break in the middle of the night. But the truth is, after the first night, I tried to 
uh, put my head down and I just found uh, too much was going on and I just couldn't I couldn't sleep yeah. so I didn't uh, I got I actually ended the three hours very early got back on the bike and then the second night I never even bothered trying to get to sleep I just I just took a rest had my meals and uh, and got back on the bike and it wasn't until the third night I actually fell asleep for two hours I, I'd set the alarm and I fell asleep for two hours and that's the only time that I got proper sleep Derek, I'm going to ask this question, and and there's a kind of obvious answer to it as well. You were raising money for a very good cause, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But why? I mean, why why put yourself through something like this? I feel the need to prove myself over and over again. I've done it all my life, and I still feel the need, you know, to to push myself, to to see what I'm capable of and to prove to people I, I, I can do this. To, to summon the, the mental and physical resources needed to complete something like this, I, I think it must spring from, from somewhere fairly deep. How did you feel the day after? Very, very tired. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. but very, uh, you know, I... I I, I'm not one usually to boast, but I, I was proud of myself. I, I, I really was because uh, even Hilke, my wife, um, believed I wouldn't complete the challenge. This is the hardest thing I've ever done on the bike, which if you read my life story, hell, I, I've done some stupid things on a bike. Mm, but mm. this was the hardest and the most I've ever dug deep. I know you got an amazing amount of support from the community during this epic effort. Um, and uh, could I add my voice to the many who congratulated you on uh, on a, a, a truly amazing achievement? Well done, Derek. OK, thank you, Simon. Now, I really should mention that Derek was riding for his team, a big team in Zwift called Team Z, spelt D-Z-I. And that team supports a whole bunch of charities doing really important and valuable work in Nepal. And you can still contribute um to their work by looking up Derek on his Just Giving page or getting in touch with Team Z, who you'll find all over Facebook. Well, I just couldn't do that. No way. I mean, I like my Zwifting short and sharp. And to be honest, I've never even ridden a century, uh, neither metric nor imperial. I like to get on, work really hard for an hour and get off. I mean, that 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 is how I use it. Um, Nathan, what's your longest trainer ride? It's somewhere between 10 and 12 hours at the World Bicycle Relief Challenge. Oh, yeah, I yeah, started yeah, yeah. like 8 a.m. and then rode until like 10 p.m. So I think it was a 12-hour ride at about 20-plus miles an hour. So, yeah, it was, it was almost 250 miles, and uh, it was for a great cause. We raised a lot of money. Uh, that new, that new They're doing it again in December. Actually, yeah, I met yeah. the... Uh, the director of that whole thing at the van, uh, no, at the Boulder event actually. So um, that was my longest ride, and it wasn't too bad. But I was doing it live with the whole chat, like egging me on, and you know. But there, it, there was a lot of people on Zwift that day, all riding a lot of mileage. And knowing that everybody else was doing it did help and push you on to make it happen. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's different because that's a kind of one-off event, and like you say, there's a there's a kind of community and there's an atmosphere around it, and there's a reason for doing it, but. But, I mean, do you habitually spend long periods of time on the trainer? No. Well, I mean, yes. But for me, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, what do you mean, long periods? Because, I mean, yeah, I'll do – I do habitually make sure that I'm doing 
um, a five plus hour ride on a regular basis. Um, wow. So, yeah. 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 Shane, are you a short and painful or a long and leisurely type of guy? Uh, both, actually. I'd go for short and painful and long and painful as well. So if you can go hard <laughs> and go long, it's a, it's a good mental game. But uh, look back on Derek. I actually came across Derek when he was finishing, oh, he would have been about 1,400 kilometers in because he was stuck on Watopia. Yeah. He'd gone so long. He was yeah. the only one on Watopia. He was doing Watopia reverse. And I did the little ha- hack and got on Watopia. And here's Derek chipping away, chipping away. I'm like, Hang on, I swung around and I think I rode with him for a lap. So it was a really good experience to sort of yeah. be, yeah, very very small part of what he was doing. He's like, oh, g'day, Shane, what's going on? And I was telling him about the uh, the trainer I was testing at the time, and it was really funny. There's no one else around, but we still had a social experience. Yeah. So that was fantastic. But that's a phenomenal phenomenal ride. Um, yeah, these some people doing some amazing things. Uh, so Nathan, uh, that's it, nearly it. You're back out on tour, aren't you? In a day, two days? Yeah. So we're heading uh, to Minneapolis. 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 Uh, so it's uh, on Friday. So yeah, we're going to be heading out, I think early on Friday. It's one that's within driving distance. So uh, going to head on over there. And then the next one's for, uh, 40 minutes down the road after that oh, So brilliant. in Milwaukee. Yeah. So that's pretty easy. And so a couple events coming up pretty quick here. And how is stuff in the stream? Things still going well on the Beam platform? Oh, it's going great. Uh, we did open back up to the network in Twitch, and now we're also on YouTube as well. So we're hitting all pl- all the live streaming platforms, and we're also streaming. Uh, Going to start happening more often as well with Zwift on their Facebook page, and that's been a lot of fun oh, to good. get more interaction with more community members to see what's going on with the racing world and how fun it can be. And that's really the focus is fun and really everybody pushing each other at all different levels. There is something new to announce about the stream tomorrow is the first live ride tomorrow being wednesday the what is it the ninth um i believe yeah but uh that'll be my first wednesday november 9th is gonna be the first live ride training ride that i am coaching people through we're gonna have a weekly basis uh and uh with beams low latency they have like a sub one second latency if you use a certain kind of uh server with them i can have immediacy we'll also have a discord channel for it for voice communication between each other and I'll be, uh, it's actually an event in Zwift, so it's actually on the app right now that you can join it. It's the Vision Cycling uh, Training Camp ride, so you can jump on and uh, join in the event. It's for everyone. Sounds really great. Shane, what gives it your global media empire oh look we're sick of melbourne's weather we're waiting and waited and waited for summer <laughs> it never came so we've pulled up stumps and we're in sydney for the next five weeks and uh stay tuned for which trainer i chose to bring up here as well um excellent to speak to both of you fellas uh, another lively podcast really enjoyed talking to the pair of you and look forward to talking next time thanks guys thanks, thanks simon That's it for another podcast, folks. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. As usual, I'd like to thank Zwift for their kind support, which means the podcast can be brought to you frequently. And also just to remind people that even though Zwift do support the podcast, they don't influence anything that Shane, Nathan or I have to say. If you're on the trainer, push on a little bit harder.